Hey common scientists, we're coming to you this week with the topic of nature. So nature is pretty broad, maybe some of you thought of the like entity magazine and maybe some of you are thinking of the last time you've been outside, maybe some of you are like next podcast, I hate nature, being outside isn't my thing. Uh, hopefully whichever category you fall into, you find um, out a little bit of something about nature and about our experiences with nature. So as a reminder, this is the Common Science Cast. That means that we all do some research, we bring our research to the table, and we discuss and learn from one another through conversation um, in the vein of common science. So I'm going to kick it to Dre to start off this week for a quote about nature. Yep, so I got a quote from Mahatma Gandhi coming in Mahat. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, but so Gandhi said to forget <laughs> to, to, to forget. Okay, now I gotta look through. To forget how to dig the earth and tend the soil is to forget ourselves. One more time. To forget how to dig the earth and tend the soil is to forget ourselves. So why do we go with that quote? Uh, so Dre had a list of quotes, and that was the one that I thought was the most uh, thought-provoking to me. Uh, given our dis our discussion before this cast, we were talking about how much uh, screens are around in our lives and how many hours we spend on screens. And... Like I myself couldn't tell you the last time I uh, like grew my own vegetable. I don't know about you guys, but like that's just like where I was I was thinking when I heard that quote. Yeah, I have a plant in my house. It's like a pothos something. It's like impossible to kill. Like you can forget to water it for like a <laughs> month. It's so hard to kill, and it still has got like some dead leaves on it because I'm just. I have forgotten how to dig the earth and tend the soil, um, for sure. And I think that, obviously, I think the quote is pretty straightforward. I think most people, at least in modern America today, would agree that we're definitely missing something, right? We're missing something by not being out there. It was funny, I was talking to one of my students, and we're, he was talking about he had a cousin that lived in the same apartment complex as him, and he never knew and he was talking about how kids in this community don't go outside. And I was like, huh, that's so interesting. Like, as a kid, we didn't have phones or anything. We had, like, consoles, obviously. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, like, you went outside in your cul-de-sac or your apartment complex. You knocked on doors. And then you all just, like, played football or soccer or basketball or tag or snowball fights, anything. Mm -hmm. Just hung out, like, got into trouble. You just did that. And he's mm -hmm. like, yeah, no, like, now we all just, like play Fortnite and talk to our friends on online and Snapchat. And I was just like, wow, like that's like, you didn't even know that you had a cousin that lived in your complex because no one's ever outside. It's so bizarre. I would take it a step further to say that I think especially for young boys, if there's not an agenda, and this is kind of what I've heard from my youngest or my younger two brothers, one is like in his 20s and one is in his teens, that like it's weird for them. Like, if they want to hang out with the bros, there's got to be 
a like planned fortnight or like something oh, really? if they're gonna do like if they're gonna hang out there has to be something like that or yeah. it's weird or it's like a gay invitation yeah that makes sense because not the gay part but or the rest of it made sense because if you're gonna just do nothing there's never a point now where a kid would have to do nothing we, they all have cell phones unlimited games on their phones and limited access to the internet so there's never a point where you would just sit around with your friends do nothing anymore I guess I can be at home on my phone, like melting my brain and being completely engaged for the next four hours doing mm-hmm. nothing on my phone versus just sitting here and like, hey, what do you guys want to do? Don't know. Like, and now we're all awkwardly just on our phones. Like, that's really interesting. I hadn't really heard that, but that does make sense that you have to have a plan now. That was the plan. Just like get together and figure something out. That was yeah, the exactly. plan growing up. <laughs> oh, wow. It seems like a sad existence. I just have great memories of, and I lived out in the boonies, like 35 minutes from school or the nearest grocery store. Well, one, there's one closer, but like the nearest Walmart. And in the United States, that's like a big deal if you live that far from Walmart. Anyways, um, yeah, like getting together, we would, I grew up in a lake, so all summer long, like, People would just, you'd see them on the boat, we'd wave, and then they'd come over and we'd hang out the rest of the afternoon. Or, yeah. like, yeah, people would come come out and we would make forts in the woods all day long, like, all day long. Or Bjorn and my youngest brother, he would fish all day long and, like, come in and be like, Mom, I'm starving! And she's like, it's not on me. Did you eat breakfast or lunch? And he's like oh no I've been outside all day like things like that I just it seems sad that that's not happening as often or maybe not at all in some scenarios Hmm. yeah going back to our boredom cast too there's something to being bored with your friends with nothing to do nothing to distract you because that's how you get creative that's how you build the treehouse that's how you make up a new game that's how you talk about life and discover each other and make plans when you get older and this and that, you know what I mean? Like, we want to do this or be this when we're together. We're going to be best friends forever because of this. But, you know, because like we talked about, like, boredom is the birth of creativity. Once you're bored, your brain doesn't know what to do. It has to get creative to get rid of that boredom. But now there's never, like, there's never really a true boredom because there's always something to distract you. And that does seem like a detriment to our current society. I know it's impacted me a ton, for sure. I've been noticing a lot lately. I'm just like... I know why I'm not writing more. I know why I'm not having more creative thoughts. I know why I'm not making, like having more creative ways of how to do this or make money or whatever. It's because I always have something going through my brain. There's always a song or a podcast or a video essay. There's always something going through my head. Mm-hmm. And I'm never just quiet. Yeah, I recently decided to, um, like I now, my phone um i had already had like a time limit on my youtube Mm -hmm. and my uh so it was like a five minute time limit on anything like social media youtube i recently learned some people consider social media but i i gave it a 10 minute time limit and then i had like a 30 minute time limit on my on my chrome on my phone because i just can read articles for days um, I recently like deactivated almost all of my apps besides like texting and phone calling before noon mm-hmm. each day. 
Uh, and that has actually done wonders for my productivity I've found in the last week since I've done it. Um, and like, yeah, there are definitely moments where I feel like bored in the morning. Um, now, because before I was like, I would wake up and I could, I would just like listen to mm -hmm. a podcast or a quick video or something. Yeah. Have that um, but now it's like, yeah, I'm just like, I wake up and I'm a little bored and yeah, I'm like, okay, what am I going to actually do with my time? Yeah. Talking but, with the, the day to day avoidance of technology or screens and going outside. I think there is something to like just outside kind of being a little bit boring if you live in the city, but do you guys find nature to be boring? No, I find nature to be boring, but, or no, I don't find nature to be boring, but I do want to back up a little because I will not ever forget the boredom cast and I'm going to quote you, Dre, and I dare you to go back and find it because I know it's there. Boredom is a lack of character. Quotes. That is what you said. And you guys are talking about boredom like it's a positive thing. Um, I, well, yes, I did say that. And I think, so that quote, Going back to our freedom <laughs> and responsibility podcast. <laughs> um, when you are a philosopher like Sartre, sometimes you have to make these Did very... You just call <laughs> when you are basically Sartre. Sometimes you just have to have say things like a powerful statement like you are condemned to freedom. Mm. So I made a powerful statement. Boredom is a character flaw. Yes, there can be some what do you call those like appendix right there could be an appendix of that where and i did talk about this in the cast where i said it's more of like a i'm not squandering what's what i'm looking for but like where you're just like lingering in it that i think as opposed to just feeling it because mm -hmm. then if you can get yourself to get creative and get out of it then great fantastic a lot of amazing things come from that but if you're just like wallowing in it and you're just like like people who tell me i'm bored Mm -hmm. That's how I know you're wallowing in it. Mm -hmm. Like you yeah. would never know I'm bored because I would sure. change okay. something. I appreciate the context. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up. That's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, no, because that, that's literally like that's like my favorite quote ever that I've ever said. I'm like, yeah, boredom character flaw. So yeah. I appreciate that. It was one of my favorite really. <laughs> I mean, it really stuck with me. Now every time I've been bored, I'm like, fudge. I my character is flawed. <laughs> I need to be on board. Um, anyways. Uh, no, I love my time in nature. I don't feel bored. I feel ironically free, very free in nature. I feel free mm. from the pressures of this world. Uh, I really enjoy the freedom of being away from mirrors. Mm. I enjoy <laughs> the freedom. Why was that funny? Because I was like, I was thinking about like lakes and Walden, I was like, just don't look in a very clear lake, I guess. <laughs> don't be around me, lakes. <laughs> it's pretty a distorted view, but. <laughs> All right, my bad. Uh, you're good. <laughs> um, and I think a lot of the experiences in nature, at least for me, it's often when I'm like remote backpacking. And so. There's often also not really self-service, and there's also often a purpose and a lot of putzing, which is like, I mean, just there's a lot that goes into backpacking, like 
keeping your stuff in a compact space that fits into your backpack and then packing it all up and then bringing it to a new location um, and then like unpacking it. And for me too, it's Sawing my nature. Firewood, yeah, like sign, right, all the things. And that takes up a lot of time. And so even when, for me, my experience in nature is quite active and like a lot of that becomes quite mindless. And so you aren't ever, I'm not ever bored. And there too, my mind has the opportunity to wander and to have like new thoughts and creative ideas and self-exploration. I question and probably do a lot of like my own talk therapy in my head, kind of like, why do I feel this? What am I struggling with? And a lot of that happens in nature better than anywhere else. And for me too, a lot of that happens when I am physically active and that generally also happens outside. So a lot of those things go together for me. Mm. I don't feel bored in nature. Uh, And I think... So it sounds kind of middle age or retiree like, but birding <laughs> can make a can make for a a more enriching experience. Um, but outside of that too, just like I do enjoy being with my thoughts, and I do feel as if I can more intentionally be with them when I'm on a walk in the woods without my phone on me. Like I I can actually meditate on whatever it is that I'm trying to work through. Uh, Whereas, I mean, if I'm in my home, even if it's not my phone or my computer on me, it's like, oh, I think about the dishes or I think about whatever it is. Like there's other pieces and cues that like distract my mind. Whereas when I'm in the woods, there's like that feels like it melts away and I can really just be present with my thoughts and uh, yeah, be more intentional with them. But yeah, so no, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm bored in nature. I think there's two different things, or at least two different things that happen when you're in nature. There's number one, because you're not so distracted by technology, your brain is being utilized more effectively for things that you probably find more meaningful, right? Thinking up a new game plan for something, thinking about your relationship, filtering through your feelings, whatever it might be. But then there's also just this cathartic and sort of sublime feeling that you just get from being in nature it's not it's not like oh i have all this time not to do this or i'm being active it's like no i feel good because i'm around trees i feel Mm -hmm. good because i can hear a river because i'm looking at an ocean Mm -hmm. there's something that just feels good about that what do you guys make of that that being in nature just feels good i mean i think of some of the science of being surrounded by green and or like water and know that like technically endorphins are being released and endorphins are like the chemicals that make us perceive or feel happiness so I think of that I also sometimes think of like historically 
I would bet that for most of human history, we didn't live in like boxed structures with just like little windows. Like I would bet that it has been more integrated with nature for a longer period of time. If you were looking at the timeline of history, I'm guessing Aiden could speak to that better than I can. But that makes me think that being where we're at today, especially where I think a lot of people spend a lot of time in boxes, and when I say boxes, I'm like referring to homes um, or apartments or offices or whatever it is, that when you do finally get outside or into a place where nature is around you, like your whole self just like evolutionarily is like, oh my God, this is where I'm built to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so yeah as far as the being in nature being beneficial uh there was a book I read a while back that was that talked about um nature and education and how uh and it was by this physical therapist I believe and how uh, a lot of uh, children learn to be more coordinated by climbing trees and uh, like it would help them just figure that out neuro neurologically and um, and physiologically and I, I think that like there are kind of Tan there are tangible benefits to nature in that regard. Um, obviously, people can say, "Oh, you could get on a jungle gym, though," and 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 things like that. Um, but I do think it's like there is something to do with like the 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 presence that comes with nature um, in that like. Yeah, the the modern day hyperconnectedness kind of melts away, um, and from what Lauren was talking about about like most of human history, we are kind of operating off of like evolution takes millennia, and like we've only had digital information technology for a blink of our history, and like our bodies are not really designed to interface with that. Um, and so, I told my students that one day, I, like in way less nice terms. I was like, I don't remember what it was, but they were calling me old. And I was like, first of all, I'm not old. But second of all, like when you guys are my age or maybe a little older, when you guys are all 30 or 40, you're all going to have purple tunnel. All of you are going to be half blind and probably unhappy. I think I just threw that in there because I was pissed. But like, <laughs> like I was thinking of just what some of the consequences of this use of technology might be. And the first thing that came to my mind was there are troves of children operating on Chromebooks, which are tiny. And their hands, like by the time you're 16, you're fairly full grown. Like, and I would bet your hands and your feet are pretty full grown at 16. Like, you're operating on this tiny little thing without a mouse, and we know that using a mouse 
like can be helpful for your hand health and your joints. I mean, I don't know. There are some things like that I can imagine, like you said, Aiden, if this has only been around for a blink of an eye in the course of human history, we're going to really see detrimental effects potentially. The blue light thing, I don't know. Like, are screens really going to make us blind? I, I, I don't know. And I didn't actually do much research on that for the purposes of this cast, but I focused more on like how beneficial nature can be, but I can imagine there just will be some major health effects. If I were to guess. Did you guys look at any statistics on how much time per year we should spend in nature? So I didn't look at any actually in anticipation, in, in anticipation of this cast. I have heard though that um, like it's at least like one hour uh, a week of nature bathing. Have, have, like nature bathing where you're completely no phone and you're like on a walk in nature or mm -hmm. whatever just it like can have huge health impacts yeah but, that's honestly such a small ask it's unreal right like and one like, hour that's it so but didn't you um, say something about like a weekend a month yeah or mm. or spending like if you spend oh. like that was the other suggestion is like one to two days a month if you are disconnected, it can have, I mean, just, yeah, huge health benefits mm -hmm. in terms of lowering blood pressure and all sorts of things. But yeah, I mean, like you said, it's not, not a, not a big ask. Yeah. I need to do that. I don't ever go into nature. Like I only do it if it's like, Oh, like a group of us are going to do something nature or like Em and I are going to go do something nature, but it's not like, you know what? I'm just going to go get my hike you know 30 minutes out of town it's like nope i'm just gonna be in the gym dark no windows on a treadmill you know i don't i do not spend enough time in nature at all but you know who did who? henry david thoreau <laughs> <laughs> so transition there is this book by one of the most amazing thinkers and writers of all time henry david thoreau that's a fact it's called walden Walden is a pond that Henry David Thoreau, while he was constructing and kind of um, bringing together his political theories and trying to help, trying to convince America. Like, when did he live? Like maybe like 100 years ago? Late 1800s? I think it was late 1800s. He's trying to convince America, hey, this industrial route, this very like confined indoor life with all these facades and symbolisms, like this is not the route to go. So he gets up off his friend's couch i think it was bernard shaw or one of those smart frank lloyd wright some smart guy gets up off his couch and he's like you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna go build a cabin on this pond and i'm gonna live there for two years and i'm gonna do nothing but like read books and hang out in nature and you know this kind of protestant work ethic where you work really hard for six days and then you take one day off i'm gonna flip that and I'm going to work really hard for one day and I'm going to take <laughs> six days off and hang out in nature and read books and think. <laughs> and he was out to, you know, to, <laughs> to write his little manifesto. And it was a big manifesto. It was really important. But um, can I go can ahead, I go ahead, go ahead. just to say, like, not that long ago, my mom was like trash talking, not really, but kind of my little sister. She's taking a month off 
Like, oh, <laughs> okay, like, she works one her one. butt off, and she's taking a month off to go <laughs> visit her boyfriend in Honduras, so she yeah. doesn't see that often. Like, it's, I think, soup makes a ton of sense. Yeah, sounds awesome. And, like, my mom was like, oh, if I had ever taken a <laughs> month off when I was in my 20s, like, unheard of. Well, then, took two. Right, so I'm just laughing, because you're, Third it's so right, it goes two. against our nature against our american ideals yes our second nature yeah uh yeah so yeah he did this for two years the whole one day on six days off thing and he found himself meditating thinking experiencing nature he had a quote where he said i want to live my life like the animals do uh he read books and he essentially was near constant solitude he did have obviously some animal friends and i think he did have a couple of visitors throughout the couple of years but essentially he was in solitude and there's a lot of quotes like this where these thinkers they're like the tree that grows by itself if it grows at all grows strong i think that's like a churchill one right right it's like if you're strong you grow by yourself you get big like there's these ideas that solitude is helpful which is i think obviously too much of a good thing is because we are gregarious creatures i think maybe david the world was on the spectrum of like more independent more i don't think he was an introvert but i think he just has that type of brain that he can spend that amount of time alone um so i don't know how most people do it two years in solitude even if it was in nature it might be pretty tough but that one woman did uh who wrote wild what's her name sherry something she she was on she was in hiking for a while like a year right so she got up and dropped everything for her job and she was pretty much like a mental breakdown like was just like mm-hmm. depressed all that stuff and she just was like i'm about to hike up like that like, mountain range in california i'm not i'm not i'm uneducated, uneducated swine so i don't know what it is but yeah. then she just like she like you know was out there trying to live like build fires run away from bears like she was really out there um and that changed her life and um, that really sent her on a trajectory. And you, we've heard this time and time again, right? Like not a ton of people do it, but we've heard enough stories like this where someone uproots their life of like this cubicle life or this rat race or whatever you want to call it, this American dream chasing where you're in the city day in, day, day in and day out grind. And whether it's you go hang out at a pond like Walden Lake, at Walden Lake for a year or two, or you go on this like six month backpacking thing where you're in nature every day, 12 hours a day. And almost always they come back with this life-changing story and this new perspective on life and this new purpose so quit your job yes leave your family <laughs> yes <laughs> go to the woods american dream is a lie and run from bears yes run from bears <laughs> so some <laughs> some um big ideas from henry david thoreau's solitude i'm joking and- though i just want to say that if you quit your job and you say i told you so i I'm not telling you so. I'm just sorry. I had it. No, I hear you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. You know. not, I'm not claiming that responsibility. <laughs> I'm responsible for everyone except for you if you make that decision. <laughs> so some big takeaways: solitude aids in purity, or like the you know the freedom of the mind. Um, self reliance, right? So you're out there in nature, it's important to be able to provide for yourself to not rely on all these systems to not rely on social constructions to not rely on your job, right? Like, yes, you can use these things to provide some sort of meaning in your life, but don't be dependent on it, right? And then also nature is more conducive to learning. That was a huge thing that a huge proponent he had, whether it be him just out in nature learning, or him even just being around nature while reading a book. 
He just thought when you're in nature, it's more conducive to learning. And I think that has a lot of promise in it for sure. And a lot of, I think, scientific evidence over the years to back Mm -hmm. that up. And there's this whole kind of, not genre, but school of thinking of like kids learning through play right and like why our school systems are so bad and why recess is so important and why we why should we should be in like engaging kids in more physical activity when we're teaching them and obviously only a few schools do it it has to be kind of a alternative school or some sort but i think having david thoreau was really a big like impetus in starting that line of thinking and as the industrial movement got here and we kind of said hey like now more people have jobs now more people have homes now more people have food um now more people can do this and then women got into the workforce and all this stuff and he's just like hey like but this is what we're really about all these machines all this dead stuff that we're around every day all these symbols that don't really mean anything money that you can't eat money right your social status that's what is that like what does this job really mean what does that title executive marketing operating what does that mean that means nothing the newest bed frame <laughs> that was a red frame. That was a recent uh, debacle <laughs> in a relationship. <laughs> so, what um nature is conducive to learning? Um, I know you guys do spend some time um backpacking and stuff like that, or I think you guys call it something else. But what are a lesson you guys have learned within the last six months or so out in nature that stuck with you? And maybe you didn't learn it. Maybe it was just like a reminder. Uh, check and double check the map before you go on a trip. I don't know. I mean, that's good, right? It's, it's like a metaphor. A, it's a metaphor. Yeah. Double check the map. Double um, check the map. But in that, like, I think travel with a companion who you're happy, like, hiking an extra five miles with. Or I mean, 12. but that's what I'm saying. Like, but, <laughs> check but, the map. But seriously, like, whether it's. Whether it's, I mean, in life, or you think of it as a metaphor, but literally, like, we were on this hike, and Aiden thought it was going to be eight miles, and it was 12 miles, and, like, two of those miles were up a huge ravine, Um, and, like, yeah, I mean, you should do life with someone who you know, like, man on an eight mile day or a 12 mile day when you fuck up on reading the map i still am gonna choose you it's deep yeah how's the learning how's the learning um yeah i would echo the double check the map and choose wisely when it comes to your your backpacking partner and life partner um I think to nature taught him that. <laughs> <laughs> I think to just uh, the the problems that I or we face in the day to day kind of minutia of like what uh, Henry David Thoreau is talking about in terms of like the the job and the apartment and the furniture and all of that uh it's pretty small in the grand scheme of things and when you get out and see the stars uh in a remote area and you can see the whole sky of i mean just 
thousands, millions, trillions, however many <laughs> stars and galaxies. Um, I mean, yeah, it just, it's a humbling experience for sure. And I mean, so that that's humbling, the, the star piece of it, but then also just like, man, I, I am the one, the self-reliance piece, like I am the one who has got to get me from here to like those, that 32 miles later to get back to the car. Cause if not, like what, I'm just gonna be in the woods. I'm not, I'm not getting home. Like, mm -hmm. like that message that like, that was another, I mean, I guess big takeaway was, um, just, yeah, like I, I've got to do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've got to take it one step at a time and I'll get there, but I just, I've got to do it. I would say too, for me, knowing that no one is coming, like when you're on mile 16 out of 30, like, you know, no one is coming also if you get hurt, like taking care of yourself at mile 16 is mm as important if not more important than taking care of yourself at mile one or mile 36 and like i think that also could be quite a metaphor because i think people are hard on their bodies sometimes and they think like oh i'm young or oh i'm whatever and like yeah at the end of the day like only you are going to take you to 85 so like do yoga or whatever else you need to do so that you can still take care of your body when you're 85 because yeah like at mile 16 no one's coming for me no one's coming for Aiden and so like every step I took was conscientious because if I effed up my ankle or if something happened and for me especially like I carry a pack that weighs more than half of my weight if I step wrong and slip I would not be okay mm -hmm. so it's like every step I take is super conscientious and in that if I'm going ahead of Aiden and I step on something that's like wobbly, like I am also letting him know I have a ton of agency about like how I'm using my body and how I'm moving my body and how I'm standing with 80 pounds on my back and how I'm like all of every, every step, every movement feels so conscientious. And like, I think that that message too is really helpful when I go home. It's like, as soon as I take off the 80 pound pack, I'm also thinking like, am I still standing straight? Am I, you know, like, w what are the steps I'm taking now? Are they still okay? Like, and it's also good practice. It has been for me to look back and be like, oh, Aiden, like, there's something here, like, or look out for this. Because I think often, like, I am prone to be self-serving. Like, if I find something out or, like, if there's toilet paper out in the bathroom and a stranger walks in, like, how common would it be that you would say something to them? But like hiking for me has also showed me like this agency of like the people around you is like, if you realize something, you should let another person know. I don't know if that made a ton of sense, but. It does make sense. So as the Rose said, one of the most important things about him spending time in Walden and about us spending time in nature is that we're confronted with reality or grounded. These are the things that are actual necessities. So like you're saying, if something goes wrong on a big hike, you could die. Less likely, 
but or not that very likely, but you could also just get seriously hurt or just hurt for a long period of time, right? There is a real danger in, yes, you did kind of construct that danger, right? Because you didn't have to do that. But now that you're out there in nature, you're reminded, oh, nature's dangerous. It's dangerous to be out. There's a reason why we created houses because nature's dangerous. <laughs> like, don't get it twisted. Like, you, you can die out here. And because you are actually faced with, whether it be death or just some level of danger, maybe just a great discomfort, because you are faced with that and it's right in your face, a lot of times you're not thinking about anything else. You're thinking about that next step, at least once it gets to the 16th mile, right? You're just thinking about the next step. You don't have, you're not daydreaming anymore. You're just like, I just need to do one step after another, make sure I don't slip, make sure I don't do this, make sure I don't overexert myself, make sure I drink enough water. Mm -hmm. You're just thinking about the next step. And that's very evolutionarily how we're built to think. And it's very cathartic. It's very meditative because mm -hmm. you're very mindful you're just in the moment mm -hmm. you're in the moment in the moment and you're getting that physical and mental meditation and then that's how you can really form specifically if you do it like you guys seem to be doing it a little bit more ritualistically now um if you're doing that once a month whatever now you can start reprogramming rewiring those grooves mm -hmm. and start forming some better thinking habits like you said it could be simple like oh like, am i standing straight like what's going on like am i like bending my knees in like what am I doing with my body mm -hmm. that's going to lead me to a more successful, healthier, longer life? Yeah, I think so. One thing that just I was reminded of when you're you're talking about the danger in the houses and, and mm -hmm. remembering like why we have these. Mm -hmm. uh, man, I was glad that we have running water when I, when I got home because uh, mm -hmm. every time you have to get water it's like you gotta hike down to the river get a jug of it like and then gravity uh mm -hmm. filter it and um anyways yeah i just had had thought about about that when you're talking about the the remembering why we have houses mm -hmm. piece uh as far as the uh thinking in terms of the next step i can that's something that I need consistent reminding of. And yeah, I, yeah, I, I mean, I just, I definitely need consistent reminding of because sometimes I'm just wired to kind of optimize and try to plan ahead. And I mean, just that is a message that, yeah, I, I am reminded of when it comes to backpacking. I'm also reminded of on my daily commutes now when I'm biking. I've got a, I'm biking to and from uh, the U, and that's been super helpful because it's like all right, right pedal, left pedal, right pedal, left pedal. But then it, like like you're saying, the. I mean, it just at the end of the day, probably to sum up all of those feelings. There's a, a quote by a, a wise man. My grandpa. Your Lauren's grandpa. Inch by inch, life is a cinch. Mile by mile, life is a trial. Mm. On that note, common scientists, I hope you guys learned a little bit of something about nature. Uh, I certainly did. And some of the benefits of nature and some of the things that it could maybe do in, in your life. And at the very least, maybe some of the conversation pushed you to think a little bit more about your next step.
Hey, Common Scientists. Hope you enjoyed the cast. Thanks for investing in Common Science. We hope it brought as much value to you as it did to us. To learn more, smash the subscribe button and visit our website, commonscientists.com, where you can read our blog, join our email newsletter, and follow us on social media. Finally, if you like what we have to say, you can absolutely support us on Patreon. We can always use more support. You can navigate there also from our website, commonscientists.com, common scientists with an S, so that we can continue cultivating a community of common scientists.